What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, we're sitting with Terry Sidork. He is the CEO of Chaotix. This is a great conversation on really in the startup world, how to build a company that has a great culture, how to enable and empower your team members, also how to find them. This was a conversation that got into that. We then talked about community building. I think you'll really enjoy this if you are looking to start your own startup or have your own company now and you're looking at scaling. I think you'll enjoy this one. But before we get into it, as always, we put on the show here at Cave Social. We're a marketing agency based out of Los Angeles that helps companies grow online with social media. So if you're feeling stuck, head over to cavesocial.com, hit the contact us. We'd love to help you out. All right, sit back, enjoy this episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, joining me from Calgary, Alberta, is Terry Sidork. He is the CEO at Chaotix. Terry, how are you doing? Very well, Jordan. I'm happy to have you on. I I love whenever we can get someone who's got a couple years in the CEO spot. They haven't been on there for you know a month. You've got some years under your belt. So you've, you've seen some things. You've taken some punches. You've been able to push through. Before we get into that and the questions I have from your learnings, I want to hear from you really about your backstory. How did you find your way into the C-suite? Yeah, sure. Well, it's certainly um, like a lot of folks, I think it uh, certainly wasn't a planned journey, but Ultimately, I worked for a large enterprise telecommunications company here in Canada for a number of years in different functions with uh, both finance and product and ended up leaving there to do my first sort of early stage or startup. I was a founder of a technology company here in Calgary, and that really kind of launched me out of the enterprise and into the more early stage and startup uh, scene. And from that, just continue to, I guess, refine or learn as a result of those. There's been a number both here in Calgary and then moved back uh, out east into the Toronto area, did another one back to Calgary, another one. And through all that, just really sort of found a, an interest as well as a growing kind of expertise relative to uh, company growth. And so typically I uh, get involved with organizations at the COO level where I can take my sort of cross-functional experience and apply it to an early stage organization as they move from idea into commercialization. Uh, with Chaotix here, that was exactly how I joined the organization about eight years ago. And uh, through uh, various uh, challenges and changes, ultimately ended up, uh, I think it was about three and a half years ago, stepping into the CEO role here at the organization and uh, have been uh, in that role ever since. Now, if you typically came in in the COO spot, and I've heard some people say this before, but I'd love to get your take on it and kind of see how you dealt with the transition. I've heard that the COO, you know, primarily is supposed to look down and in into an organization. And then once you get to the CEO, you're like vision and out, you're looking up and outwards. One, I'd love to know if you agree with that. And then two, if you do, was that a transition point where you had to kind of like get more into vision setting opposed to, you know, looking into the internal operations? Yeah, I definitely would say that I agree with the statement. Uh, the difference for me is really the stage of the organization. And so in a smaller organization, earlier stage, you're really kind of floating between the two. So at the time when I was COO, obviously there was a CEO in, in the position. It was a shared kind of role, definitely CEO more forward looking and CEO more internal operational looking. But I find that realistically at this stage that you're really kind of in both camps. So definitely have to define where we want to go. And, and I work with the team to do that, obviously. 
But, you know, the operational aspect is something to me that at this stage, you've got to have a handle on. And so even as CEO, I spend a lot of time making sure that operationally we're focused on the right things. You know, everything from our uh, week to week, as well as just some of our budgeting and forecasting is looked after. So it's something that I like. My background, my experiences allow me to do that in a sort of a, a way that I can keep my finger on the pulse, so to speak. But at the same time, then we're challenged with growing the business. And that's where that forward looking aspect comes into play. Yeah, I, I love that. That really balancing, you know, to both of those, and like you said, having your finger on the pulse, knowing the numbers, because, and then also you said something important there about, like, where is the company in its life cycle? Right? Is there twenty employees? Is there two thousand employees? Because those are going to look like like different structures. You also said something there about bringing the right people together, and I want to shift a little bit to talk about that. How do you approach one? You know, building a a company when it comes to hiring? Are you looking for skill set? Are you looking for culture fit and you can teach the skills after? Like when you're building your team, what are some of those important tenants so that you get a, a really healthy culture in place? Yeah. And it's a challenge. I think for sure the number one thing is what you know generically referred to as fit. And so someone that uh, understands the culture and really the requirements of an earlier stage organizations because they differ substantially. You know, historically, I can tell you that we're we had a number of people here and in previous companies I've been involved with where the individuals feel like they're interested in the early stage. You know, they like the perks, they like the whatever it is, the beer fridge and some of the other things you hear about in technology startups. But when push comes to shove, which is the challenges of early stage and some of the uncertainty, some of the ambiguity, some of the ups and downs, that's when you find that some of the folks just really aren't in tune for that. So for me, always looking for people for fit, and that usually means passion commitment, and then self-starters. That's a big one because everyone's got tons to do and we're looking for people to step in and drive their functional responsibility or their role responsibility forward without necessarily uh, a lot of direction. You know, I, I see myself as a servant leader. So my job is to make sure that people in the organization have the tools, capabilities, and remove all roadblocks for them to accomplish the most they can in their roles. What you then, you know, what I guess I'd say look for is people that can perform in that. And clearly, you know, into the COVID situation, that has become extremely important because we're all remote now. You know, March of 20, I guess it was 2020, we left our offices and we worked remote, which was a seamless transition. But then as you progress through, it's really important that you obviously have a high trust and at the same time, you have individuals that uh, can take things and just drive forward so that wherever you are today, you know, you're further along a month from now, two months from now, et cetera. And that takes a unique kind of individual. You know, it's like fit. And then the word you said there too, where some people, they like the perks, but then in the world of a startup where there can be some, you know, some, some speed bumps and taking that and whether it might be losing an account or, yeah, and the need to raise the next round, whatever it may be, those hurdles are a little different than being employee 3,601 at Amazon. And I think people from the outside, it's like tech workers almost get painted as one color, right? Hey, you're in tech. And it's like, there's so many positions. There's also so many different little ecosystems where there's a massive difference between working in Amazon or Google or Apple versus being in a 20 person, you know, startup where it's, uh, they have the proximity to the CEO. They have to be a self-starter because like you said, there's a lot of, a lot of responsibilities will cross over between positions and people have to be able to take things and run with them. I think that's so important. Now, in terms of measuring that, right, for someone who's listening here and is like, okay, how do I know if someone's a self-starter? Are you all using like 
OKRs? Are you tracking time? Like, what would you do to kind of, you know, ensure that happens? Yeah, there's a blend of that. I mean, ultimately, you know, what we do is make sure that we're in connection or communication constantly. I mean, we, you know, we have our stand up every morning just to get a sense of who's working on what and if somebody needs assistance. Um, we have regular meetings across different functional groups. You know, our focus obviously at this stage is on the revenue growth side of things. And so we spend a lot of time in terms of uh, putting together various proposals, et cetera, for customers, uh, shepherding that through, making sure the account prime or sales individual has all the support they need, et cetera. But you get a sense. I mean, we're not that big of an organization. And so you get a sense of who those folks are. And, and you can certainly tell uh, right away if someone isn't one of those folks or is struggling. It doesn't mean that you can't give them the guidance. It just means that now that takes an effort beyond maybe what ideally you'd like to do. One of the things that Chaotix that we've done over the past couple of years is really opened up the transparency. In fact, if I look back over the number of uh, companies I've been involved with, if I look to the very first sort of early stage or startup where I was a founder, we were very secretive with respect to a lot of things in regards to communicating to the employees. Today, I mean, the employees know everything that's going on. In fact, one, I have a trust with the individuals in the organization. I ensure that when we talk about certain things, there's a full understanding of what it means. Early on, I probably scared a few people in terms of uh, some of the information that was conveyed because one, they weren't accustomed to getting it and two, they didn't really understand what it meant. So we've spent some time doing that. But the end result is that everyone understands exactly where you are and you have buy-in. So in other words, if I'm if I'm demonstrating trust in individuals, then I'm going to get, earn that trust back from the individuals as well. And so it's really created a cohesive and cultured environment where we're able to move things a lot further than we did, say, one or two years ago. And I see that maturing constantly. So it's something that for me as a sort of a senior or a C-suite individual that I've learned over my experiences and completely value it today and would definitely carry it forward with any future opportunities that I got involved with. It's a big shift. I mean, like I said, when I was involved in various organizations, I didn't get a lot of that information. When I was in senior roles in organizations, I didn't share a lot of that information, but I've subsequently felt that it's important. Bottom line too is today's workforce, they kind of demand it, to be honest. It's a different breed. They want to know that if they're going to bust their butt, if they're working towards something, they want to know exactly why and what in the end is the benefit of doing so. So it just creates a really interesting dynamic and it allows them to share ideas. And so it creates sort of a two-way communication and at the same time presents a group of individuals with a collective challenge towards, in essence, in our case, just growing and driving the business forward. It's interesting, right? It's this idea like you hear all the time, oh, you need employee buy-in, you need employee buy-in. But it's like, to your point, you also need the leaders of the company to buy into the individuals and to really enable them to say, hey, look, this is what we're trying to accomplish. This is the purpose of the company. Here are our goals. You know, here's, I'm leaving it maybe to you to set, how are you going to get to those goals? But everybody knows that, hey, we all have this common purpose that we're working towards so we can move in the same direction. It sounds like platitudes, but it really is important because if you have somebody going the other way or someone who's into clock in, clock out mode, and they're just like, oh yeah, whatever, I got to do these three things. And they don't know why they're doing it. Or they think the C-level, the CBC is just like making millions and millions of dollars and they're getting paid a little bit and they don't actually see those things. A lot of companies where the executives aren't don't take salaries for the first couple of years and all of these things behind closed doors that are like very important because it'll bring teams closer together. And I think like that's the good, the bad, the ugly from a transparency perspective. 
Because when you share all of those things from wins and losses, people, in my experience, they react very positively. Yeah, overall, for sure. I can tell you there's been a few times when I've sort of wrestled after communicating and thinking, oh, wow, that's that's just a little too much information into a group that maybe isn't totally accustomed or knowledgeable about what it means. And so then it requires a time, which is great to just make sure that there's an appreciation of what this means. And so I've had numerous folks comment about one, they value the transparency and the understanding. And two, they find that it's you know educational because they're in an environment that they like, but they're you know focused on their functional area and not necessarily understanding across the organization what it means. And so for us, you know, from everything from raising money to looking at strategic partnerships, et cetera, these are things that uh, might fall out of the purview of, of most individuals, but now everyone is aware of them. Again, I, I, you know, the question is how long can you do this? There's probably a balance. Um, but at the same time, I think in the early stages, it, it helps set that culture uh, for an organization. You know, also back to, I, I was thinking as you were saying that, uh, is Reed Hastings at uh, Netflix, I think that meme, you know, no room for jerks. I don't care how smart you are, how experienced you are. If you're a bad apple in the cart, it just, it just doesn't work. And I've seen that over and over and arguably tolerated a few times because I felt there was importance to the individual's experience and knowledge that would trump that negative effect. But I've completely, um, you know, got 180 on there. It's just no room for those individuals. So they just sour everybody and they just create an environment that's just not productive. Yeah, it's interesting. There, uh, Simon Sinek put out a quadrant sheet and it was actually based off the Navy SEALs where you have high trust individuals, high performing individuals, and then like low trust and you do this thing. And he said, look, low trust, low performing, those people are fired automatically, right? We get rid of those people. He said the problem in organizations is when they have low trust, high performing individuals, the sales guy who is killing it, but is a jackass to the receptionist. And it's like the companies hang on to those people too long because, and we don't see, you know, the unmeasurable, emotional effects that that person is actually having on an organization. And he went into the Navy SEALs and said that the Navy SEALs will go through and be like, who in the office do you want to look after your dog if you were going on vacation? And everybody in the in a company, when they go and do it, will all point to the same person, right? For the most part. And it's like, who's the last person you want? And they all point to the same person. And it's like as simple as that sometimes in organizations. And I love that, like no jerks. And especially in a small team, when you look at it, if you have 20 people on staff, it's like you can't have 5%, one person going the other direction on you. No, no, absolutely not. And, you know, I've had um, played a lot of hockey growing up and I, I coach now at a, at a high level. And I obviously look at an analogy of a sports team. I mean, there's rules and every rule is important. And so the old thinking or traditional thinking where hierarchy determines sort of, you know, how important you are in an organization, I think, again, that that's a problem. And so today's world is very important to understand that everyone contributes towards success. And so, you know, the more you can align with that and more you can appreciate, demonstrate that, I think is key. One of the things that I learned early on was Someone said that, um, you know, when they're bringing individuals into an organization to interview, they watch everything from how they interface with the, the person at the front desk to how they interface with the admin that's coordinating, et cetera, just to see how they treat individuals and people. And I think that's extremely important because, as you just said, and we've seen over and over again, the importance of a team being cohesive, uh, working together, et cetera, is just invaluable. So it's important. Yeah, I love it. And and that can't be anyone listening here who's thinking about that. If you're looking at your organization and there's that one person you and you know like hey, you know, 
Tim in sales is really good at sales, but he's a jackass. It's like that crow's going to roost eventually and you're going to have to deal with that. And if you've listened to other episodes of this show, like that's been reiterated by leader after leader and, and Terry did it again. So Terry, I appreciate that. Um, now, before I let you go, let people know what's Chaordix. I'd love to hear kind of what the company does and what you guys have going on. And then where can people could learn more about the company? Yeah, absolutely. So we're a platform that allows organizations, enterprises to create brand communities as well as internal employee communities. So if you think of it, it's a, it's a private social network where you get to control the content as well as have access to all the data. And so what we're seeing is a real uptake uh, in terms of a number of brands that see this value. So there's a couple of things that, if I can just go into it, a couple of things that are really important and we see as a shift. So number one is that today's consumers through technology, primarily your, your smartphone, have easy access to online connections. Number two is they know that they are an important player in the success of a brand in terms of their alignment. There are multiple choices for shoes in today's world. So how do I decide where I'm going to buy my shoes? It's based on the experience I have. And bottom line is those folks are looking for a brand that cares about what they have to say. The ones that are leading, those are the ones that appreciate that, establish communities of sorts, interface, engage with the clients for everything from future product ideas to simply some feedback. And the affinity that that creates with the brand is enormous. And so you get word of mouth that's beneficial. You get obviously insights, you get consumer generated content, et cetera. So it's extremely powerful. Our biggest customer today is Lego. We've been working with them for seven years, eight years now. Uh, Lego Ideas, which is the adult fans of Lego site, where individuals go online and contribute product ideas into the organization. And there's a process by which they evaluate. And ultimately, if you're successful, you share in 2% of the royalties that commercial success in the marketplace. And Lego has had um, quarter after quarter of success. I think we're up into the 30s now in terms of successful products launched out of the community. And it's often pointed to as the marquee community for co-creation in the marketplace. And more and more customers and brands are looking at that as a model to engage their individuals and help them basically navigate the future. It's no different than in the past. It's a data point. You're not going to hand over the keys and the wheels to the consumer, but at the same time, those are the folks that are buying your product. So knowing what they want, knowing what they appreciate is just something that I think all brands that are pragmatic and future looking will definitely be stepping up to. And we've seen a number of these players over the years. We still have those that are um, just kind of ties into a conversation about employees and uh, the various aspects of creating a culture. We still have a lot of brands that are very, very concerned about exposing their what they would view as their secrets in an open marketplace. And I think that's, again, just folks that are caught up in the traditional way of thinking and not appreciating that the future will be working closely and more or less exposing a lot of what you're thinking of and just being an executional excellence to be successful. And that's what we're seeing over and over again. So today you can find us on chaotics.com. Lego Ideas is a public site. We have a creator studio with Rustoleum, which is a DIY site. All of these are found on our website as far as linking through. And similar, if you're interested in community, there's a number of resources on our website to help you understand what it takes to launch a community, what it takes to manage a community, and what's required in terms of an ongoing success in that community. And I will put a link to Chaotix in the show notes so you all can go click that and go over and see what Terry and his team are up to. Terry, thanks again for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Great. Appreciate it, Jordan. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll catch you next time. Um.